Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Good morning. Amen. It's great to be here and a warm welcome to all our visitors once again. Great to see you all. Welcome, Lenny. Great to have you. But wonderful. Aren't you glad for the household of faith? Amen. I'm so glad for family. I appreciate family now more than ever before. Amen. Just the belonging, the sense of togetherness. The church is never, was never meant to be institutional, but organic. It was meant to be family, to be governed by the family ethos. And so I pray um, as you've come here that you'd find each other. And literally, here's the challenge. Treat everyone here like you would your biological sibling. Yes, That's the challenge. Yes. Some of us will hold the distinction. But you know what? This is the greater reality. Yes. Now I know no man after the flesh. You know? Jesus said, your mother, your brothers are outside looking for you. And they couldn't come in because there were so many people in the house. You know how he answered? Who is my mother? Who is my father? These are they that do the will of my father. These are my, are my brothers, my sister, my mother, and my, and my father. So all relationships become redefined. Don't neglect your biological family. But don't disparage the spiritual family from the biological. Because that, in that is your salvation. Okay? In that is a kingdom that will never be shaken. Um, Zion, the family of God, is where strength comes from. This family is where strength comes from. This family is where resource comes from. Um, sometimes, I'm going to send a message out because, for, and please excuse me, because uh, some people are erratic in their attendance. And for me, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a blindness to the season. Absolute blindness and indifference to the profundity of the season we are in. Okay, and we can use all sorts of excuses like weather, etc. But guarantee you, if it's a storm tomorrow, you will be at work. You'll not even be at work; you'll be on time. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jesus said in Malachi, "You offer me a lame and blemish sacrifices. Try take that to your governor." He said, "Try take that to your governor and say he he will approve of it." People, uh, someone said this to me some time ago. Oh, but it's different because I have to work to earn income, therefore I have to be consistent. Yeah. I'm saying you've lost the plot. <laughs> that is not your source. That is not your source. If you're looking at that as the source of your survival, this is the source. Yeah. I tell you plainly, you need grace to survive out there. Yeah? Exactly. Especially the way the world is going now. Amen. You're going to need the mandate of God, the protection of God, the provision of God to be your portion amen and so i love the house of god because this is the place where i connect i get resource i get encouraged i get inspired i get fueled to go on with the the journey amen and so for me god's going to shake everything hebrew says i will shake all kingdoms both in heaven and on earth so that those things which should remain must remain then the verse says therefore seeing that we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. 
So there's, there's two realms. There's a realm that can be shaken and a realm that cannot be shaken. You better make sure that you are not located in a realm called can be shaken. You better make sure that you are in a frame of existence called cannot be shaken. And the kingdom cannot be shaken. The kingdom is the family of God. The expression of the family of God in the earth today. Amen. So tell your neighbor, don't be shaken. And so for me, prioritization of church attendance is key. You know, you can do a lot of things like and read. You can, you can even have discernment to discern false apostles, it says. You can have good works, um, your faith, your patience, your love, everything. But if you've lost first love, you've lost everything. Right? If you've lost first love, first priority, you have lost everything. Amen. You're still happy. Still love me? Amen. Because I love you. Amen. So uh, tell your neighbor it's a serious time. Amen. Serious time. I want, I want to encourage us all, brethren. Um, we're going to grow as a household. I'm not talking numerically. I'm talking about growth into the mandate of God in the year. It's going to happen. It's already happen, happening at an alarming rate. But we're going to need to be so solid, so immovable, so fixated, so, so focused upon what God has called us to do as a congregation. And nothing, some things can move other congregations, but those things must never move us because we're living at a different plane altogether. Amen. Living at a different plane. You know the men of David that support David? The Bible says they were like, their feet were like gazelles on mountaintops. I mean, if I was David, I would like an army like that. That mighty men behind me. Uh, there was nothing impossible to these men. It says they were so, so agile. When they, when they climbed mountains, their feet were like gazelles on mountaintops. You know, at one time the river was in, at the height of its flood, the Jordan. Right? And others didn't cross. David's men said, we'll take this. And we crossed it. They crossed the Jordan in the height of the flood. These men did not know fear. Where others would use any excuse not to do. David's men said, we can do this. Amen. Tell your neighbor, we can do this. We can do this. What I want is a certain quality of spirit. What I want is a certain disposition of heart. Tell your neighbor, become a go-getter. Become a go-getter. Right? Um... Pursue purpose. Be passionate. Don't be weak. Don't be uh, easily unseated. Be focused. Be resolute. Be strong. The Bible says endure hardness like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Okay? I want to encourage you. Let, let's, let's pursue the, the purpose that God has called us to. Amen. We've uncovered up to now a few expressions of pride and for the sake of, of our visitors, why we are doing this is because we are looking at grace and there's a verse in James 4 verse 6 which says God gives grace to the, to the humble but he will resist a proud person. So what we've been doing, we've been tracking pride. What are the indicators of pride in our lives that, that repel grace? So the grace of God is the person of God. Grace to who is it? It's the substance of divinity. It's the very makeup of spirit or the texture of spirit, the composition of spirit that is given to men. So when God says, I give you my grace, he's saying, I offload myself into you. Okay. And do you need more grace? Yes, we all do. Peter says we must grow in grace and in the knowledge of 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Upon our initial entrance into the kingdom, there's nothing much we do to merit it. Because it's by grace we are saved, not through works. So when we're coming, it's the free gift of forgiveness, salvation bestowed upon us. And we leave a life of sin and we come into the kingdom. But once in the kingdom as God's sons, we are meant to grow in it. Here is where the growth in grace is very important. So once you're in the kingdom, two things. A mindset or behavior can either recruit more grace unto you or chase grace away from you. Right? Like it says, he will give more grace to the humble, but he will oppose or resist the the proud. Another example is, if you are a generous person, if you give, you'll be the recipient of grace. I'll teach on that a whole segment in a few weeks' time. Okay? How that God gives grace to the generous person. If you are stingy and withholding and always keeping back instead of releasing, you will not be the candidate for increased grace. 2 Corinthians 9 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you will abound in all things. That verse is a promise to give us. Okay? Another thing, for example, purity. If you maintain your purity once you are a child of God in the kingdom, if you pursue holiness and maintain your rectitude, your circumspection. Psalm 84 verse 11 says that the Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will God withhold from them that walk uprightly. So if I continue to walk uprightly, guess what? God's going to offload upon me. More grace. Right? More grace and grace upon grace. A few weeks ago, for example, I taught you one way to access more grace is by drawing near through prayer. Not so? By drawing near through prayer. And, and Hebrews uh, 4, 6 says, By Him, therefore, let us have boldness or confidence to draw near to the throne of grace for two things. Receive mercy, but find grace. Receive mercy, find grace. Say that with me. Receive mercy, but find grace. Mercy is the first expression of grace, I believe. Right? Mercy is the bestowal and the dealing with the consequences of the sin. Grace removes the sin. Mercy alleviates your state for having sinned. Show mercy. Okay, you're in a court of law. Judge says you are guilty. Do you have any last words? What's the most wisest thing you could possibly say at that point? May the court have mercy. What you're saying is, I'm not contesting your judgment. You've made a ruling. Before you make your sentence, all I'm asking for, be lenient. Mercy, right? Remember the, the priest uh, who passed by, the man who was beaten on the side of the road? The priest and then the, the Levite passed by the other side. The good Samaritan came and did what? And showed mercy. That alleviates the consequences of his plight, right? So I want to encourage you. Um, there are certain things, a mindset and or disposition, you can adopt when God sees that, God says, wow, check this brew out in the earth. Because of his, his mentality or his behavior, I'm going to offload more grace. Offload more grace. Download the grace. Offload the grace of God to him. Okay? And it's there where I find, even after I've taught many, many principles and secrets to accessing the grace, people, some, some people aren't growing in grace simply because... You're not doing 
little things. Breakthrough is not an event. Get that Pentecostal thinking out of your mentality. My breakthrough is at hand. My breakthrough is at hand. No breakthrough will be had if in your life you haven't demonstrated consistency of obedience to protocol, to principle. So breakthrough is not the result of some events. For us in the present season, breakthrough will come to you because you've consistently, enduringly, over a long period of time, have done the right thing. You've done the right thing over a period of time. Right? So you've installed into your life certain principles of the Word of God. When God sees that, God will open doors for you. Amen? So just do the little things. Do the little secrets that, like, you know, we did a whole section on fathering, how grace flows most effortlessly, effortlessly, between a father and a, a son. If you simply imbibe the word of that father and obey it, also to support the mandate of that father in any way you can. No big secrets here. Little things you can do over a period of time that instantly will recruit grace unto yourself. Everyone says strong support. It says David's men came to him and they didn't give him support. They gave him... When David looked at these men, he could, wow, no, we can do something. I don't just have support behind me. I have strong support. And the grace on David's men, far in terms of, compared to what David would do in his exploits, the exploits of his men far exceeded what David ever did in David's history. Yeah? Remember we said David killed Goliath with a, a stone and a sling. One of David's men killed a giant that made Goliath look like a child. Hmm? David's men, mighty men, defended one of them, defended a pot, a, a field of lentils from Philistines. One man against a whole army, and he prevailed. Right? David killed a bear and a lion. One of David's men killed a bear on a cold day in a pit. <laughs> Everything that David did, these men, same grace came upon them, and they did, by comparison, far greater things that David ever did. But they did not disconnect from David by virtue of their success. They realized we are this strong because of our connection to the grace of God that flows in and through his life. Right? They called in scripture, David's mighty men. What the Bible says, when God looked at David's army, there's a text that says this, and David's army was like the army of God. Well, David's army. So we're looking for strong support. Tell someone strong support. Strong Amen. Support. I've determined. Pastor Thomas, is my spiritual father in the Lord. When he sees me walk in the door, he will see strong support walk in the door. Yes. He will not see a person attending a meeting. He will know there's a support, not just there's a strong support. There's a pillar I can rely on. That is my goal. I don't serve a man. I don't worship a man. I serve God, my, my Father, but I realize protocols in the kingdom demand that God works in certain fashions. Yes, yes. Amen? God works in a particular way. And people look at sometimes within our family, they ask, but why are you, but why are you making such progress in certain respects? My response is, it's easy. It's very easy. I just obey the small things repetitively, consistently, over a long period of time. Amen? 
uh, uh, some of you uh, are tithing now and then. That must stop. You tithe consistently. Yeah? You tithe as a priority consistently and get the breakthrough. Yeah? Amen? Some of you forgive someone that has hurt you, but next week you're not forgiving the other person. No, you forgive every, all men. Don't love some people and hate others. No, no, no. You must be enduring and consistent in all your endeavors. Amen. So, brethren, we went through so many expressions of pride um, recently. In, re in, in last week, we dealt with the following. If these expressions of pride are in us, grace passes us by. And we need to deal with them. Last week, we dealt with um, jealousy. Remember jealousy? Jealousy and envy. So I hope no one is, has succumbed to the spirit of jealousy. Those of you that were, we repented last week. Amen. Never ever be jealous of somebody else's achievements or what somebody else has. Keep your heart free. If someone is making progress, particularly in an area where you want progress and you can't, celebrate their progress. Don't be critical or envious of it. When God sees your heart that you're able to celebrate the success of someone in the area that you are struggling, and you don't fall prey to the bait of Satan to let covetousness, envy, jealousy, and the Bible calls it bitter jealousy. So we isolated another expression of pride last week, bitterness. Bitterness is pride. And people saying, I'm not proud, I'm bitter. No, you're bitter. You're proud. Because you're bitter, you're proud. Right? And uh, I explained that in detail last week. I don't want to go to the mechanics of that, lest we, we take up too much time. Then we spoke about ambition, selfish ambition, and self-centeredness. Right? And then unforgiveness. Okay? Unforgiveness. Now, and then we, I want to come back to something which we ended off with. That's the reversion to the past. Right? You're always looking back at past failures and or past, past hurts. Okay? I want to deal just with one more expression of pride now. It will take about half an hour. We shan't be long because I need to give you some feedback for ALS. We'll be done by 11. Okay. This particular one is the inability to cover sin. The inability and or unwillingness, the refusal to cover sin. That, I want to demonstrate now, is an expression of pride. Okay? Particularly, somebody else has sinned, either against you or sinned generally, and it comes to your knowledge. And in conversation about the person, you don't cover the person, but you willingly show them up. You are not part of the sin, but by your response, you can manifest a proud heart. Now, you didn't do anything. The issue is extraneous to you. It's the other person's business, but your response to it can hinder the grace of God in your life. They did all the nonsense. You kept yourself. It's nothing wrong with you, but your response to another can hinder the grace of God in you. Right? And that is what I want to talk briefly about today. Okay? Now, what does it mean to cover sin? 
The Bible says, let me just read the text. It's 1 Peter verse 4, chapter 4, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Okay? Above all, keep fervent in your love one for another because love does what? Everyone say love covers. So there's a covering um, function to love. There's a covering characteristic to love. If you claim to be the embodiment of love, the love that you claim to have, which is God's love in you, should be so perfected that when um, there is the opportunity that is presented to you to unveil the sin, you choose in your heart to cover it. You choose in your heart to cover it. If you don't cover it and expose it, you've manifested your own pride because you delight in showing the deficiency or the weakness of the other. And God looks at you and says, but you're not representing me in this. You're not representing my nature or my person. So how can I dispatch the essence of my person, which is grace to you? Remember, grace is the essence of God's person, the substance of spirit. Grace is not what is it, grace is who is it. And we want more of this. You know, I found, I found this particular expression of pride to be a very serious hindrance to the grace of God in people's lives. Because some people thrive on other people's failures. Right? For some, they will literally will have nothing to talk about. If they talk about how somebody else failed in whatever respect. Right? So I want to encourage us not to go here. Not to go here. Now, I don't want to treat this, you could treat this extensively in a deep fashion. But I want to treat it very elementary because of time. It alludes to at least three things. What does it mean to cover a multitude of sin? When love covers a multitude of sin. Number one, it means... Do not expose the sin publicly. I'll demonstrate this in a moment. Do not expose the sin. Literally, plainly, don't talk about it. Keep your mouth closed. Right? Don't send the email. Don't pick up the phone. Don't send the WhatsApp. Twitter or on Facebook. Particularly Facebook. Right? <laughs> Just keep the information to yourself. Right? Secondly, forgive the person who sinned. Particularly if you are involved personally. But even if you are not involved personally, in your heart, have a forgiving disposition and a redemptive posture toward the person. Don't delight that the brother fell. Don't take joy that the person made a mistake or the person was found out. You know how we react? I knew it. I knew it all along. You know, with the moment you're there, I want to demonstrate to you, brethren, you've manifested your pride. God says, my grace cannot attend you. Right? If we are truly to be the embodiment of the love of God, then somebody else's failure should unearth in you such compassion. You know, Don't delight, particularly when an enemy fails. Right? You, you can maybe understand these principles if it's someone you really love, yeah? Yes, I'll cover it's my brew. You know, I'll cover the sin. It's my brew. He's, he's, he's my close friend. I'll cover. But what if someone who really hates you? Here's the litmus test. Yes, yes. Your enemy has failed. And you choose to protect instead of using your enemy's failure 
as an occasion, listen carefully, you use your enemy's failure as an occasion to make it even more publicly known in a bit to exonerate you in the matter. So some people get mileage out of see what wrong they've done in the hope that by the degree of the wrong done in the other, you on this side hope to be justified by your position. Never ever use somebody else's failure to endorse your position. If you do, you have nothing in yourself in the first place. So never gain mileage out of, he fell, see how he fell, therefore I must be right. Never do that. You know, David demonstrates this so marvelously. Remember Saul pursued him? You know, David's first ministry was a javelin ducking ministry. <laughs> Saul threw javelins at him. Spears, not so? Remember David played the hop? Yeah? And remember when he killed Goliath? Saul got envious and jealous of David. And I told you last week, envy and jealousy is a manifestation of pride. And I mean, yeah, you're playing music for the king. You are meant to console the king. When you play for this king, he gets delivered from his demonic oppression. you there, you're providing an ambiance. I can imagine David playing this wonderful anointed music. And here's the guy hating you so much, he pulls out his spear and he tries to pin you to the wall. And you're ducking, ducking. No problem, my king. <laughs> Imagine this. Blessing the guy, ministering to your king. But he hates you. The people praise David more than Saul. When David leads the army to battle and he comes back, the ladies chant, Saul killed thousands, but David killed tens of thousands. Saul killed thousands. David killed tens of thousands. Remember last week I said to you, watch. When Esau's offering is accepted and Cain's offering is not, the acceptance of your brother's offering must not well up jealousy within you. The success of your brother in the same domain as you must not unearth jealousy in you. Right? It became a proverb. Literally, the Bible says it became a proverbial saying throughout all Israel. Saul killed thousands, David killed tens of thousands. David had, I think, two or three opportunities to kill Saul. Remember? And what, is the, what did David's men say? They encouraged him. At one point, they were in a cave and Saul was sleeping with his army. David's mighty men. The same mighty men? The same bruise? Well, they were not as mighty by that, by that stage. He just, they, just said, they were with him in the cave of Adullam. By that time, they were in debt, distressed, you know, but they were developing. Now, you know, David's watch, what is David teaching them? David is teaching his men protocols or principles by which their grace is going to grow. So these men are ready. Say, the Lord has given the king into your hands. Let's take him, David. Let's kill your enemy now. Watch. What was the only obstacle, the only obstacle to David's pathway to kingship? Saul, not Saul. In fact, he was already anointed king. Did not the prophet Samuel come to his house and anoint him next king? He has an illegitimate king in his way, but he serves him with such loyalty. Right? David's men says, now's our chance. You know what David said? Don't you dare touch God's anointed. 
No one touched this man. David even went close to him at night with a knife. Guy is sleeping. And he cut off the edge of Saul's garment. In the morning when he awoke, from a distance, David said to him, See, I could have taken your life. Right? But I chose to, to honor you. David was anointed king at 17 years old. He became king at 30. There were 13 years of development in which God had to test his heart before he put him on the throne to rule as king. When, listen carefully, when Saul ultimately, together with his son Jonathan, was killed in battle, what was David's position? How would you react? How, 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 would you, how would the average modern Christian react? Woo, yippee, hallelujah. My enemy, the single biggest obstacle to my destiny, has just been removed by the Lord God. <laughs> God is on my side. He's taking my enemy out of the pathway. You know what the Bible says? When David heard the news, Saul died together with Jonathan. Smote his heart. Sackcloth ashes and he mourned for them for many days he refused to celebrate the death of an enemy not just any enemy the enemy that violently opposed everything he did and everything he stood for right and he wrote a song it's called the song of the bow the title of the song is called the song of the bow david was a musician and in the song not the, the, the lyrics some of the lyrics he praises Saul and Jonathan. He praises them. Calls them mighty. How are the mighty fallen? Right? And he praises and he, he endorses Saul's contribution to Israel in the time that he was king. Right? Further still, he didn't just write the song. You know what he did further? He commanded that the song be taught throughout Judah and Israel. Every Hebrew will learn this song, he says. What was he? What, you know, you can forget a sermon, but it's hard to forget a song, eh? What, what was David's intent? David is saying, I want this truth to ring over and over and over in the minds. You know, it's, it's the exact opposite to what kings did in his day. When one king died, you not only, when he dies, you kill everybody associated with his line to endorse your own position. David's heart is, no, let's endorse his legacy through a song. That's why David is a man after God's own heart. But here's the thing. Part of the lyric says this. Part of the song says, tell it not in Gath. Do not let this news of his death go down to Gath. Gath was the city of the Philistines. Gath was the city of the enemies of God. What was David's heart when he said, don't send the email to Gath. Block Gath off your Facebook. <laughs> Gath must not know about this. What was he trying to do? He was trying to protect Saul. Right? What was he doing? Covering his? Covering his son. Brethren, I'm going to talk to you today. Because I love you. As Anne said, tick. We've got so many things going for us. Tick. We're prophetic. We're discerning. Even the false apostolic we're able to discern. Full of faith. 
He says, I know your labor and your patience. We have all these things going for us. Yet I have one thing against you, declares the Lord. You speak too flippantly about people's failures and deficiencies. That's the word of the Lord for the South today. God is saying to us, put a guard over our mouths. You are, and you know what God is saying? You know when you read like the, the text we read this morning? You've got so much going for you. Don't mess it up with this mouth. Don't mess it up with, with idle, idle chatter. Okay? I want to encourage you. I'm giving you a major key. Guess what? After this, you're going to go through a major test. <laughs> I guarantee you. Someone's name will come up somewhere. And you'll be asked for an opinion about the matter. At that point, I want to encourage every one of you. Even if it means you're going against the grain of the conversation. Yeah. Say, to the, say to your group, okay, the brew, the sister has messed up. Okay, he's done wrong. Okay, he's, even if it's in the newspaper. Right, it's exposed in the newspaper. Okay, I've read the article. It's fine. Your response should be, let's pray. Let's pray for the person. Yes, yes, yeah? Just offer prayer instead of offering gossip. Yes. Okay? How could he have done? How could she have done? You have not perfected love in God. If you have not perfected the art of covering sin. It's different from covering up for sin. You are not expected to cover up for sin. You're expected to cover the sin. What I'm not asking you is cover up for them. And make all sorts of excuses to justify and endorse what they did. That you don't do. But you must cover the sin. Let me give you, can I give you the Greek meaning? What does it mean to cover sin? The word is kalupto. Everyone say kalupto. It's the opposite of revelation. Akakalupto or apakalupto is to reveal and to make known. Kalupto is to hide. To, it's like a, throwing a blanket over it. Right? So that no one, it comes into no one's public view. That's what the word means. It literally means to envelop, to wrap around as with a bark. How's that? Bark the thing. Wrap it up. It's not what you do, what you are saying. You know why? Because you realize, even if I don't know the person, we are part of one body. How can I judge someone if in their heart they've already repented? Right? So I'll bark the person. Tell me about bark you. <laughs> not bark at you. Bark you, wrap you like a tree, like a bark covers a tree. What are you doing? You're covering someone's nakedness. What does bark do around the tree? Covers the nakedness of the tree. Not so? The vulnerable parts of the tree. And this is, this, is, this is what it means. It means also to cover over, and here's the quintessential meaning, to hinder the knowledge of the thing. Please, everyone say this after me. Hinder knowledge. So if I say to you cover up, what I'm saying literally is hinder the knowledge. You be the, the last point from which that came, and the point at which it's going to stop, it's not going to go beyond me. Yeah? Yeah? You know, some people's favorite words is, have you heard? Right? Did you hear the latest? You know, we talk. Right? That kind of talk. You are displaying the love of God hasn't been perfected in your heart. Right? You're also displaying that you are separate from your brother. Someone felt, and yeah, brethren, let me make it personal. I'm not even talking about overt sins. Even little character divisions is among us here. 
if we are going to be truly family. What? Okay, let me, let me bring it right home. What will you do for your sibling that messes up? What, what will you naturally do? Talking about your natural brother or sister messes up. What will you naturally be inclined to do? You will hinder the knowledge of the thing. Not so. I'm saying what is true there must be more true in our corporate functioning. But Randolph, I didn't come to church for that. No, you're yeah, It's for you. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. I need to be more guarded about what I say about who when. Because right? God's going to check my heart out. Okay? Let me just say this to you. I'm going to tell you now, brethren, the fact that God prompted this thought of my heart for today. We're all going to walk out here and face the week. Eh? We're going to go and go to our jobs, etc. You're going to be tested in this thing. When the test comes, remember my words. Cover. Everyone say cover. Cover, 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 cover. Hinder the knowledge of. Part of it all, what it also means is not just you. You see, you, you cover and you forgive. Because some people cover without forgiveness and it's incomplete. You can very well not speak about the thing, but in your heart judge the person. And that is, is a dual, dualistic position. It's incompatible with the very nature of God. Okay? So in your heart, you, you release and you forgive the person. Thirdly, I don't have time. I can, I can go through each one in great depth. Thirdly, you seek to help the person redemptively if that opportunity affords itself to you. So the full meaning of when it means to cover, it's not just, okay, I'll keep quiet because I said I must keep quiet. Okay, hold my peace. Even my heart, I've forgiven. No problem. Right, Bruce, carry on. You covered Covering implies if the occasion presents itself and also you should honestly seek an avenue to help the person, to redeem the person. That's if the quality of the relationship affords itself for you to speak to them, you must pursue that and, and do so. Amen. Yeah. Help the brew. Because we all got blind spots. Eh? Yeah. Dr. Sigi made us laugh. He said, some of us got so many blind spots, you should be called spotty. <laughs> hey. And a blind spot, by definition, is a spot you can't see. That's why it's called a blind spot. You can't know that that's wrong with you. It takes another to point it out to you. And faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend will be candidly honest with another and say, if Andy comes to me and says, you know, Randolph, you know, I just think just be careful about how you say certain things. You might not realize it, but it might be my blind spot. What is he doing? He's being honest enough. Let's say in conversation it comes up. Hey, Randolph, is this, the way he addresses that issue is a bit insensitive. You're talking about it. So, well, let's cover, right? No problem. But then don't just cover and leave it there. Seek avenues to address, to correct it. Right? What the Bible says, if you go to your brother and you show him his sin, you have won your brother. You have won your brother. But you see, you are your brother's keeper. Right? You are your brother. When Cain killed Abel, remember the first two sons of Adam? Cain killed Abel. God came to Cain and said, Cain, where is your? I remember Quinton ministered on this years ago. Very powerful message of my brother's keeper. Do you remember, Quinton? And you went into depths about the word keeper. Remember? Right? You are your brother's keeper. 
So if I'm your keeper, I watch over you. You mess up, I cover, but I seek to redeem you. I seek to, to buy you back. Okay? This is going to be my posture here. It's going to be my posture within our broader family. If I see my brother mess up, I'm not going to expose his weakness. No way. I will do everything in my power to cover him, to seek to, I, I will not, I will hinder the knowledge of his sin or his error, and I will seek to redeem him and help him overcome in that area. That is the full meaning of what it means to, to cover. Okay? Proverbs 17, verse 9, quickly. Okay, I'm literally done with the message. That's all I have to say to you today. But I want to amplify just with one or two words. He who conceals a transgression does what? I love this verse. He who covers or conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter can separate intimate friends. Right? And everyone in high school said, yeah, this is where we live. <laughs> right? This is where we live. The moment somebody has something on you, it's like you put it in your arsenal. I'm waiting for the moment. I'm going to use this if ever I have the occasion to. I challenged you last week, press the delete button. Don't keep records in your mind. Uh, be like God. You know, I said to you, God forgives and forgets. More accurately said, God forgives and does not remember. The scripture doesn't say actually forget. It says, your sins I will remember no more. The phrase not to remember is more powerful than I forget. I forget takes away the sting. But when the person says, I choose, I elect, deliberately as an act of my own volition, I elect not to remember it. I've decided that. Okay? Isn't it a powerful thing? Let's say if I offend Joash in a certain thing. And Joash says to me, Randolph, you're forgiven. Right? And I come to him a year later. Hey, remember that? I, hey, I heard you bad. He says, what? What are you talking about? I've elected to erase it from my memory. My relationship to you now is not based on your historical failure. My relationship to you now is based upon your sincere repentance. Right? I might never forget it cognitively, but I've elected not to remember it. What you're saying is, remember means take the disparate members and remember, put it together again. He's saying, I choose not to factor it to bring it back into membership or memory in my mind in how I deal with you from now onwards. You've got to be like that, brethren. Got to be like that. Have people hurt me? Yes. Have people thrown javelins at me? Yeah, big ones. Sorry? Cutlery said. Dr. Segi said this at the school. He said, some people have knives in their back. I got a whole cutlery set in my back. But I'm telling you, offenses will come. You've got to forgive and release all the time. And I want to encourage you. You know where it is particularly, where you're particularly prone, is when someone comes to you about a common enemy to the two of you. And they say, have you heard? Now you've heard this message from me. Now you go, and your friend with a common, common enemy says, have you heard? Then it's your most vulnerable. Right? I want to encourage you, don't fall prey to the dictator of this world. If you conceal your tr a, a transgression, you seek love. But he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Do you know there are some people who are divisive? I'm sure you met these people at work, eh? 
They will, they, 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 their intent is to divide you from someone close to you. Calculatedly so, they will, they will do this. The Amplified Bible says, He who covers and forgives and offense seeks love. But he who repeats or hops on a matter, tell your neighbor, stop hopping. Right? You mustn't hop, you must bark. Apply the bark and cover. Don't hop, right? Apply the bark. Tell your neighbor, don't hop, apply the bark. Come on. Just cover, right? Cover. Listen to this. The, basic, the Bible in basic English, same verse. He who keeps a sin covered is looking for love. He seeks love. He who covers sin is looking for an avenue how to express his love for the person. Right? He's looking for love. But he who keeps talking about a thing makes division even among friends. Listen to this version. The ERV says, forgive someone and you will strengthen your friendship. If you keep talk, sorry, keep reminding them and you will, you will destroy it. Keep reminding them and you will destroy it. The message is always enlightening. It says, overlook an offense and a bond of friendship. Fasten onto it and to a slight and say, goodbye, friend. <laughs> you know, you're going to lose friends if you keep opening on, on, on a matter. Okay? So I want to encourage you to, to put a guard over your mouth. Proverbs, or rather Psalm 30, 39 and verse 1, quickly. Proverbs 39 and verse 1. Psalm. I said I will guard my ways so that I will not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle. You know what a muzzle is? Is that contraption you put over to prevent you speaking or opening the mouth. Like on animals they use it, right? Like they muzzle the ox while it treads the corn. In case while treading the corn, it eats the corn. This verse says, I must put a guard over here. Some of your biggest problems is loquacity. <laughs> loquacity is a big word just for choo 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 choo. You can chew and brew. It's like you can't stop. Right? Garrulity is another word. You're garrulous. Right? I want to encourage you. This verse says, you know, you demonstrate your maturity sometimes by not speaking. Maturity is not only demonstrated by the act of wise speech. Maturity is also demonstrated by the act of refraining from speaking when the occasion is not fitting. You have the opportunity to speak, but you keep yourself back and you say, no, no, no. I'm expected to be my brother's keeper. I will cover his sin. Okay? You can take this reference down as well. Psalm 141 and verse 3. Psalm 141 and verse 3. It says, set a God, O Lord, over my mouth. This should be an earnest prayer. Lord, set a God, muzzle over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my, of my lips. Proverbs 10, verse 12, quickly. Then we're going to wrap up. Proverbs 10 and verse 12. It says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgression. So many references to love covering all transgression. Psalm 32 verse 1 and 2. We're going to end here. Psalm 32 verse 1 and 2. Psalm 32 verse 1 and 2. How blessed is he whose sin is forgiven, 
and whose sin is, is covered. Now, just go back. That's why I said the full definition of covering is not just not speaking, it's actually forgiving the person. Because this says, how blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven. And it classifies that as a sin being covered. Okay, so we don't just not talk about it. You literally from your heart, you must forgive the person. Take this reference down in Genesis 9 from verse 18 to 28. Genesis 9, 18 to, to 28. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. So the three sons of Noah. And it says Ham was the father of Canaan. These were the sons of Noah. From these the whole earth was populated. Every other human is dead. Every other human is dead. Noah and his family survive. Three sons. And then it says the, the flood waters are abated by this time, right? The flood is over. Next verse. Noah began planting, uh, farming and planted a vineyard. He drank wine and became drunk. He, and he did what? He uncovered himself in his tent. In other words, he became naked in his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Now, I don't want to get into the, the detail of this. There's a, there's a whole lot of inferences here and hidden truth. He comes, his father's drunk, plants a vineyard, he eats of the, the vine, the fermented grape juice, becomes drunk, he's naked, Noah's naked. One of the sons, Ham, goes into his father's tent, which is a whole lot of meaning to that, which we won't get into now. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Right? I just want to draw reference to he saw his father's nakedness without going into what that, that means. What does that mean symbolically? Okay? He saw his father's nakedness and he came out and what did he do to his two brothers? And he told his two brothers about it. So the, the other two, now, let's look at the next verse. Shem and Japheth, the other two, took a garment and laid it upon their shoulders Here's the tent, and they walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. They refused to look upon Noah's nakedness. So they put like a garment, walked backwards into the tent so as not to behold anything, and they covered or, the nakedness of their father. Now, you know when Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says before the sin, they were naked but not ashamed. Naked but not ashamed. After the sin... Um, their nakedness was exposed even to themselves. Before the sin, they were not even aware of it. You know what? I believe the glory of God covered them so much. They were totally oblivious even to their own physical nakedness. Right? That's what the Bible says. We wait in Corinthians for a glory to be clothed over with. But when you sin, you come short of that. You miss the mark and you come short of that glory. So the allusions to nakedness here is basically the ashamedness that is the result of sin. Right? Two brothers covered their father's nakedness. One exposed their father's nakedness. Right? They went backwards and they covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. Okay? 
Now, please don't take this literally. You boys, it's fine to part with your father. Okay? This is all symbolic here, right? Right? All symbolic. Um, 24. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. He said, Cursed be Canaan. Ham saw his father's nakedness. Noah curses Ham's son, his grandson. Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. Right? He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Okay, I don't want to get into all the, the, the stuff here. In verse 27, May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan also be his servant. Okay, let Canaan be his servant. Last verse, Noah lived 300 years and, and 50 years after the flood. Okay, the one who did not cover the father's nakedness is cursed. Those that covered are blessed. The one that is cursed is destined, his descendants are destined to be servants of the one who covered. I, I don't want to get into the details, all I'm saying to you prophetically, please listen to me. If ever you want to maintain a blessed position in Christ, you can lose your inheritance through inaccurate speech in a moment of time. Such is the serious nature of this message. You can be prophetically, um, you can have all the DNA to be prophetically blessed. But one moment of, of unadvised speech, of careless speaking, and notice, this can be done in your tent where nobody sees, but there's a God in heaven. Right? There's a God in heaven. We can take this, this further. This also alludes to, because Noah's a father. What about a son covering your father's nakedness? Your spiritual father's nakedness? Because we all have freckles and frikies. Right? Your leader's nakedness. Right? You take the position to cover and not to expose it. I'm telling you, brethren, you can lose grace. Through inaccurate speech. I have prayed to the Lord. You know, when, when the Lord really, when I put this as one of the expressions of pride, God said to me, Randolph, you must start to muzzle your mouth. If you don't have something profitable to say, rather keep quiet and maintain your blessed position than to speak an idle word and lose everything. I want everyone to leave this place armed. Everyone say, we armed. Tell someone I'm armed and dangerous. Right? Never ever rejoice in somebody else's downfall. You always seek to help, always seek to cover, particularly your brother and or spiritual father, you never ever expose. You don't dare cross that line of dishonor. That's an area don't don't even put, don't even think about going there. You, you, you don't venture. That's a line you don't cross. The Bible says, honor your father in the Lord. Your father and mother in the, in the Lord. Two blessings will come to you. Everyone say, in the Lord. So when Ephesians says, honor your father and mother in the Lord, he may be talking about natural father and mother, but more importantly, he's talking about spiritual parentage. What are the two blessings that will come upon you? Number one, you're going to live a very long life. Who's coming with me to 130? Come on, who's coming? <laughs> I've set my case. Lord, 130, here I come. And I will die in full strength. Yeah? Right? I want to live a long time because I want to be productive in the earth. 
I have, no, I have literally no desire to pursue heaven as a destiny. Because my destiny is in a person called Christ, not a place. And I'm in Christ in heavenly places already. Yeah? So it's all about perspective. Eh? So I want to be along. You know, Paul says, I long to go, it's far better. But I, I want to remain because that's more beneficial to you. Yeah. Right? So I want to stay to be a benefit to people. Amen. That's, that's, a, that's a nice ambition. Okay. So it says you will live a long life. I will declare over you, no one here is going to die prematurely. Do you know if you partake of the Lord's table unworthily, Paul says, for this reason, many of you are weak and sick and many of you sleep. You, you pass away prematurely. If you don't discern, not the, M, not the bread and the wine, if you don't discern this body accurately, you invite sickness, you invite premature death upon your life. At our son's fellowship before the school, there was such an intense focus on loving each other as brothers. Something I've set my goal as a, as a, as, as a, as a key goal. I'm going to master my love for brothers. Love, master. If my brother is deficient, either in character or in overt sin, I will never rejoice. Like David, I will smote my heart, come before my God, pray for his redemption, seek to help in any way that I, that I can. Okay? Now, okay, last one. Tell someone, last one. Okay. The Bible says, forgetting those things which are behind. Two weeks ago, I spoke to you about this. Tell you, forget the things which are behind. Remember Joseph. Brothers did him in. He's raised to prominence in Egypt. He's now the ruler of Egypt. Brothers hated him, etc. While in Egypt, he got married. And his firstborn was called Manasseh. What does Manasseh mean? He who causes me to forget. Right? And he, David, uh, Joseph actually said this because I have forgotten all the trouble of my brothers and I have forgotten my father's house. The first part is good, but not the second part. Never let the trouble caused to you by your brothers forget your father's house. Some disconnect from father because of trouble with brothers. Right? Joseph forgot so much, Jacob. Wouldn't you think when he came into power, it would have been the very first thing he would have decided to do? To go back and see how daddy is doing? He literally factored Jacob, he factored the brothers out of his world without having dealt with the issue of the hurt that they caused him. Right? You know, the only time he remembered Jacob was when the brothers came down. After years, he saw them, and he made attempts to reconcile. His second son was Ephraim, which means doubly fruitful. Sometimes God blesses you to such a degree, you think you can ride the success of the blessing of God or without having to deal with serious relational issues that you want to bury because you are so successful. God has a way of always bringing you back to confront the thing you should confront. Don't wrap things under the carpet. When I say cover sin, and if someone has hurt you, covering doesn't mean don't confront it. Covering means confront the issue, deal with it, and go on. Amen? 
can't deal with. It's an issue troubling you. The Bible says, if you know your brother has ought against you, you go to your brother. Don't wait for him to come to you. He has ought against you. That comes to your knowledge. You go to him and you settle the matter. Then come back and offer your gift at the altar. Okay? Your gift finds acceptance within the context of restored relationships. Right? So you're all ready to cover sin. Okay? Will you cover my sin? It's like a lot of deficiencies. Will you cover each other's sin? Just someone next to you, you're covered. Come on, just tell a few people you're covered. Say that, I mean that seriously. Just tell someone you're covered. You're covered, huh? I want to say this honestly to all of you here. I want to say this seriously before the Lord. And for many of you, I don't have to say this because I've already demonstrated this seriously. Some of you know my track record. And I've dealt with certain issues within the house. I will cover you. I will cover you at the, at the expense of my own reputation. I will stand with you in the, in the hour in which you fail God the most. And the whole world views you differently. I will, before God, I will cover you. At the risk of putting my own legacy and reputation on the line. It's a position that God has called us to. Right? And please, your, my covering of anyone is conditional upon their repentance. Yes. Yes. Right? If someone is hard and refuses, and you've made every attempt, you're not permitted to hate them, but don't walk with them closely. Yeah? Okay? So you've got a lot of balance to this message that, that is required. But all I'm saying to you, brethren, the muzzle over the mouth. The muzzle over the mouth. Count to ten before you offer your opinion. In one moment of unadvised speech, you can lose a whole destiny. Right? It's, it's that serious. You know what Jesus said? You'll give an account for every idle word you spoke. You will give an account. Right? So grace. Everyone say Grace. Okay, come on, just lift your hands. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I pray that great grace and peace will be your portion. Every husband, every wife, every child, every family member, um, every businessman, every person in the workplace. I pray great grace, great peace will be your portion even now. I pray that in the moment of your own testing that you would arise in love with the love of God perfected in your heart. You would see every failure of brother and or friend in your world. You would perceive it redemptively. I'm going to try help. I'm going to try and win the person. I'm going to try and re rehabilitate, redeem the person. I will pray for them if I must. I will counsel if I must. I will seek help. I want to be the one who covers sin. The greatest coverer of sin is the Lord himself. The greatest model. And so we ask that we all, come on, lift your hands. I ask that we all receive the grace. Some of you might find this so hard, but right now I tell you, if you receive this grace, you will be able to do it. When the chips are down, you will do the right thing. And I, I, I declare over you, there will be such great grace. Because God will see in you a heart after his own. When he saw David's dealings with Saul, that's what the Bible says, he's a man after my own heart. Do not rejoice at the demise of an enemy. I want to encourage you. Great grace and peace will be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.